we had a luncheon and my dad's best friend came up, one of them, and he goes, the thing that made your dad a man was he felt his emotions. And that hit me where I was like, well, if I view my dad as a manliest man, I need to feel my emotions too. Welcome to the Thy Neighbor podcast, conversations with everyday people who are crushing it and making the world a more lovely place to inhabit. I am your host and occasional solo caster, Tracy Robbins King. If you are inspired by this episode and someone comes to mind as you listen, share this with that person. If you have benefited from the podcast, please like, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. Your ratings, reviews, and shares make a difference and allow this podcast to reach more remarkable people like you. Michael Boswell is from Murray, Utah. He is 23 years young, and he loves hiking, spending time with his family and his girlfriend. He used to play rugby and football until I decided that wasn't the best decision for his body. He loves to help others, and he's a huge lover of shrimp. Crab legs on a fancy day and shrimp on a less fancy day. He is doing the real estate thing right now, and that is how I met him. I was walking around my neighborhood, and we saw signs for an open house, and we went, and this is where I met Michael, and he is an absolutely genuine person. He's also very positive. You can tell that he cares about what he's doing, and he wants to do his best. I'm so excited and honored to have you on the podcast today. Start us off by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you are most excited about. Tracy, again, thank you so much for having me on. It's truly an honor. I was born and raised in Utah, grew up in Murray about my whole life. And then I moved out to Draper recently. I've been here, but I'm Spartanite or whatever they were back then, Murray and I, <laughs> way back, but take that really with some pride. But then my biggest passion that I've always had since I was little, you hit on was helping people. That is genuinely, I always have valued that because I know if you take care of others, they will take care of you. The universe works in just an amazing way. I've always just valued being there for other people, helping them in their time of needs or just supporting them in any way I can. And I think that's what I'm most excited about. It's as, as I get older, as life goes on, it's finding new ways to help people. And it's always evolving, especially as the world changes and everything. There's new ways to come out to help people. That's what I'm excited about as the world progresses. What can we do? How can I help? That's a great way to to look at the world. And the more you do that, the I think the more you see how you can serve the yes. world and also that you get served as a result of that as well. Yes. That is so beautiful. I was scouring your Instagram and I saw that you organized a race mm-hmm. for men's breast cancer awareness, which by the way, I didn't know existed until I saw it on your Instagram. How did you even get to that point. When I was 14, my dad was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I remember when he told me after a practice, Hey, I've got breast cancer. And I was like, you got diagnosed wrong. Like there's no way. And it's just such a small percentage of men can get it that we don't talk about it a lot. When they treat men the same way they do women, I mean, we share the same breast tissue, so it makes sense, but it's not very common for men to get it. And growing up around that my whole life. And I just realized when I would tell my friends, my dad had breast cancer. They're like, I didn't even know men can get it. And I'm like, well, if you guys don't know, my dad didn't know, I didn't know how many other people don't know that. And anytime I share it, people are like, I had no idea. And some are like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But it's just, there wasn't an awareness around it. 
And my dad passed later on when I was uh, 20, he passed from it, but he fought it for five years. And then it came back as a megastatic breast cancer. I wanted to put it on to remember his legacy because he never wanted it about him. That's kind of where I think I got it from. He didn't want to be the center of attention. He was always, how can I help you? Even if he was hurting in so much pain, he was like, are you okay? Are you doing good? Like that's just, you know, his personality. As much as I wanted to call it the Boswell Foundation, I knew my dad was like, it wasn't about us. It's about the next person. How can we help the next person? That's so beautiful. What did that teach you about your family and about what matters? I think that's where being positive comes from. Some of us experience it early in life. Some of us experience it later in life. And I don't think there's a right time for anyone. It's just when your journey happens, you're around it. And for me, I got exposed to it young. I've lost grandparents, everyone when I was really little and seeing how precious life is. I cherish every single moment I have with my dad. I don't live a life of regret. Like I wish I would have spent more time. Don't get me wrong. I've thought about that. I really wish I would have, but what we got to share was so beautiful. And it's just enjoying the little moments, being present. My family is my most important thing. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And you don't know who's going to be here. People die getting out of bed. We're not guaranteed the next day. Every day truly is a blessing. I'm grateful for like waking up the next day. Who's in my life and how can I help them and and be the best version of myself that day? Because every day we're a new person. It's a new chance to start over. I truly count as a blessing that I was able to experience that. First, it was tough. I'd ask why me, but the more you ask why me, you'll never know. And we don't need to know. You just need to know it happened and A book that changed my life is Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. It it starts with saying, uh, just basically, instead of thinking, why is this happening to me? How is this happening? Mm -hmm. That really helped me. And how did you choose to answer that question? How is this happening to me? Did that up-level your commitment to your family? I I think it really up-leveled my commitment to myself. Because if I'm my best self, that means I'm going to show up for my family, my friends. Because if I do it for other people, then what about me? I'm neglecting myself, my self-love. I'm not loving myself. And if you want to take care of other people, you have to take care of you. A lot of people, oh, that's selfish. But I'm like, try doing it for so long and you will get burnt out. You can't sustain it. I'd say the point in my life changed forever. When I, I remember when he passed and it was maybe a couple of days, I was sitting there and it was basically, Michael, what the hell are you doing? The life that I was living, it wasn't going to help me, benefit me or anything. It was hindering me. And I always knew I was meant for something more, but the actions weren't there. I truly didn't believe it. I just thought it would get handed to me. And when that happened, it was a wake up call. And I would say it's become my life purpose is I don't want people to have to go through what I've experienced to wake up. Hmm. Do you think that people do wake up without hardship? Yes. But I think everyone has their own hardship. Tony Robbins says it's all moments. We can all know everything about personal development. We can know everything, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't make sense until you have a moment. Whether that's a good, I mean, I hate calling it a bad moment because it's like failure. There are no such thing as, as failing, in my opinion, because if you fail, you learn the most valuable lessons from it. Was that really a failure? Bad moments. In the time, it is tough. It is so hard. But when you make it through it, you can look back at that as a, the biggest you know, learning point. As much as I want to say no, eventually we're all going to have to go through something, but it's different for everyone. Yeah. I think they often say that those are the hinge points. There are yes. hinge points in our lives where we're deciding which direction we're going to go based yep. on what's happened 
And is life happening to you or life happening for you? Exactly. So often says, I was listening to the owner of Spanx, Sarah Blakely. I was listening to her talk about her experience trying to get her product out there. And I mean, she did amazing things. She did things that nobody else was doing. Mm -hmm. She called up Neiman Marcus and people were like, that's not what you do. You don't call Neiman Marcus. And she's like, that's what I did. And she, she got this 15 minute pitch and she pitched it and she realized it wasn't working. And she literally took this owner and she was like, you got to come to the dressing room. And she showed her what it looked like with the Sphinx on with these white pants and then without it. The woman was like, okay, I'll put it in seven stores. She did things in such a way that she got the attention of people. She would do whatever it took mm-hmm. to get where she wanted to go. What I admire in her is the tenacity, is the mm-hmm. capacity to push through that. And I'm curious if you think that your experience with your father has made you more tenacious. What, what has it created in you as a result of that? Because even though you, it, it happened to you young, and I do think to some degree that can be a blessing because you mm-hmm. can use that as a leverage point. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I don't think anyone's really built like born with that. I'm going to do anything I can. Trust me. I There's days I just don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to keep going, but I just do. For me, it's on autopilot. I just do the actions. Even if it's not great, I'm still doing the motion. It's true. Like that has been a major leverage point, even though I forget about it at times that it happened. I don't think about it every day. That's kind of the sad part of death. Life just goes on. And that was hard for me was my world changed, but lifetime, everything kept going. I was still in school full-time then too. I missed a week of finals and to make it up was tough, but I was like, this is just the reality of it. But I, when I face hardship now, I look back and say, wow, if I can make it through that, I can make it through anything. And now I don't think about that initially, but when I do, I'm like, but my brain always goes, well, this is different. This is a different kind of pain, a different hurt. It's all related. And for me, I just call on that. And I look at One of my mentors, uh, Jimmy Rex, just talks about, look at your past, look at your wins. Because when you get down, you think about all the bad things, but it's like, wow, what have I built on? What have I gone through? What have I succeeded at? And when you start focusing and coming from a point of love and gratitude, you can make it through anything. Yeah. Life offers us a lot of humility and we can really be handed some challenging things. And I've seen people who've been handed things that it doesn't make sense. It's no. kind of like, wait, why? Why, why is, is that happening to them? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're such good people. Wow. Another slam kind of a yeah. thing. And I think to some degree, you can look at that and be like, wow, I don't really know what other people are going through. But I do believe, like you said, it is a practice. It's a mental practice to mm-hmm. be able to say, I can see the wins yeah. and I'm not just going to focus on the losses. I'm curious, what are some of the priming exercises? What are some of the things that you do to keep yourself in a state of mind that helps you to be successful? Yeah. And I think it depends on the situation as well. What is happening? And so one thing I do every morning is I do a gratitude journal where I start my day out in gratitude. Because if you start your day out in gratitude, it's kind of hard to let negative stuff come in. I think about that. And then when things go wrong or things come up, the other thing I think, control what you can control especially in real estate, I, I want to control every aspect of the transaction because the no one can mess it up faster than someone else. But then I realized you, got, you can only control what you can because it doesn't do you any service to put your energy towards something you can't control. And so for me, it's just kind of, and I'm very grateful for my mom who, when I was really young, she started her personal development journey. So I got exposed to that a lot when I was like 12, 14. And so this has been 
over almost 10 years of me noticing that like our words are so powerful. And so it's, what am I telling myself? Oh, I hate how I look in the mirror. Oh, then I start to believe it. I start doing these, it's building little wins, doing little things, whether that's maybe doing one push up a day. For me, it's like fitness. That's where a lot of my confidence comes from because I've lacked that for so long. But now that I've been in the gym, building the reps of it, I'm starting to feel more confident where it's like, okay. And you start building momentum. And so it's just doing one little thing, maybe sit down and write for, I used to never journal ever, but it has helped me so much with anything I've gone through, whether it's a fight with my significant other, I write down everything and I'm like, wow, I can come from a place of love now. So I would just say, write it down, whatever you're going through and let it out of your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super powerful. Writing is such a phenomenal tool. Yes. Incredible. I have a huge testimony of writing. (laughs) Writing just is so, so, so powerful. Through that process of like grieving and and seeing somebody struggle with with something like cancer, what is something that like kept you going? Do you have a faith in God? I, I was never really spiritual, especially growing up. My parents were born LDS, but then broke away later on in life. And they didn't raise any of me or my siblings in the church. They wanted us to find something that spoke to us. And for me, I believe there's a higher power. I believe energy, everything like that is real. It is true. But the thing that really kept me going was my dad. Like that's, he was everything to me before. And so it's like, why wouldn't I want to be my best self for him? Carry on in his legacy. Now I don't have that father figure. So who do I want to become? All right. In honor of him, if I did it and I just lay down and let the world beat me up, I'm not honoring him. When I know God has... I truly believe all of us are meant for something great in our own regards, but few go to pursue it because it is hard, but I truly believe I'm meant for something, but I don't know what I'm just kind of letting it go as life goes, but I would really call on my dad and a higher power to push me through at times. I don't, it, it's hard to get that from people here. Yeah. I definitely feel like that. I often hear people say all the answers lie inside. Like the answers are inside of you. And I'm like, There's been times where I know the answer was not inside of me, but there was something that whispered to me something, but it was not me. It was not me. It was not this person. Something told me what was the next step or what was the Mm -hmm. right thing. And so I can't just go without acknowledging that there is a spiritual, I mean, and I, I of course believe in, uh, in Jesus Christ and I am a member of the church of Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ. And I think I have seen where when I've gone inside, it's like, well, there's been something else that's come in and shared something with me that I needed to receive. Because I hear that a lot in self-realization and I'm like, well, are they talking about Jesus? They're talking about the spirit. Like they're talking about like God and how he influences. Yep. To everybody, it's different, but it's the same. What do you believe in? And that's where it comes from. Like for me, I know it's, it's my version of God for you. It's, it's Jesus, but that's what matters. It's, because if, if you try to believe in somebody else's thing, you're like, I don't know. You just have to feel what feels right for you. If we're pursuing truth, exactly. then we will find it. And that if it's truth, then it will be revealed. Yes. In many different ways, it will still be revealed. You'll find the truth. That, that's definitely something I can resonate with. What do you want more people to understand about their loved ones? Oh, that's a loaded question because when I view it as a place of losing my father, I come from that. I'll start there. Not every moment's guaranteed with them. And one thing, one of the nurses I learned when we were up at Huntsman, she said, you guys are truly a blessed family. We're like, why? She goes, because when people 
come in here and maybe they had a fight right before the, the person's in a coma now or something. They hang on because they're like, I'm so sorry. Like it'll never happen again, hoping they will get them back. And if they don't, it's detrimental to them. This is just a moment. Like if my mom and I get into a fight, we disagree. I'm like, this is just a moment. I will still love her the same. I will love her tomorrow because it's coming from a place of no regrets. Saying something, that's a big thing I'm on. Say what you feel and what you mean. Don't say something you don't mean. It's also like with my loved one, with my girlfriend, it's if we get into an argument or something, it's always funny. When you walk away, you're like, I'm going to piss them off. But it's, I don't know where I heard this quote or who I heard it from a while ago, but it's why. Because you're trying to prove a point, you're not going to go and say, hey, I'm sorry and mend that. And that's the thing too. Like, I hate leaving the house in an argument, regardless of it. I love you. Like, we're good. We're okay. I love you. This is going to take some time, but I'm not going anywhere. But at least I know, hey, it's okay. I think for your loved ones to truly understand, it's view it as a place of love and who they are. Our, our parents are our grandparents. They were raised by that. You, just because they were doesn't mean you have to be. But it's understanding that is just their conditioning at times. They don't know better. And when you can view it as like, all right, listen, you're coming from, you're hurt. Like something happened from back when you were a kid. This is just coming out. You don't take it as personal. Mm. What do you feel like you've learned by being with your girlfriend? What's some lessons that you've learned by being in a relationship? (laughs) Well, she pushes me harder than anyone has ever. When you, I think when you find someone who genuinely cares about you in every aspect who wants the best for you. They make you level up to an uncomfortable level because every day I'm trying to, she's like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, we're constantly trying to help each other grow. I was so ashamed of myself at times of who I was that I would put on the show for her. I'm like, if she knew who I was, she would not want to be with me. And one night we got into a big fight. I'd call it a disagreement. I won't call it a fight, but where she kind of called me out for all my things. I was afraid of her realizing. And even though in the time she felt like she hurt me. It was also the biggest blessing I received because I'm like, me, you can see me for me. I can love you 10 times more now, which it's sad. That's what it took, but that's the moment. And it's being your authentic self. Uh, she's definitely taught me that because when you're not, you can't truly love or fully love, I should say, because you can still love the person, but not fully. And she's helped me experience like different levels of myself. And, and it's just been the, she's been the best thing that's, I met her later the day after my dad passed. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, divine uh, intervention in that. But yeah. Right. She has been an amazing pillar of strength for me and right. support. Wow. That's amazing. I, I feel like that was very profound. Very well said. We want to feel accepted, not just loved. And, well, we and validated. Ex- you want to be heard. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. It's like, Hey, an argument. The biggest, I feel like the biggest thing that always comes up is you're not listening to me. I understand where you're coming from. I acknowledge it because that's one thing I learned in customer service jobs. When people come in pissed and they're mad at you, they just want to be heard. It's when they don't feel heard that they get mad. You can carry that into different areas of life. It's like, hey, I understand you. I see where you're coming from. I'm sorry that happened. And it's owning for what you did because that's the hardest thing because we're, we're perfect. Everyone's perfect. We don't think we can do anything wrong. It's always my partner's fault. Reality is I cause a lot of the stuff that we do, that, uh, the stuff we disagree about. I control that. I control what I do, how I react. It's like, okay, I'm sorry. Like I did not realize it'd make you feel that way. And that's the other thing too. Everyone has a right to feel the way they do. Because for me, losing my dad, I, didn't, I was like, I'm going to make it through it. Someone else can go through the exact same experience. Like this is life ending. I can't do it. 
and that's the thing when people don't feel their emotions feel validated either. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you can't be sad. It's like, you damn right. I have every right to be sad. Right. And, and it's also like, hey, to me, it wasn't a big deal, but I understand to you it is. I'm sorry. And just yeah. kind of owning up for that. Yeah. It's interesting to me because I remember I also worked as a customer success manager uh, a few years back uh, when I was taking a break from teaching. And I remembered at this time that one of the trainings was actually listening to one of our coworkers on a call. This person called and really upset. And she got on the phone and she's like, tell me more. Is there anything yes. else? And she just like, bet she asked for more. She didn't go automatically into defense. She just asked the person to tell her more. <laughs> yes, yes. And I thought that was so brilliant, but contrary to human nature. Yes. The customer who called in, it messed up her her functioning system. She's like, whoa, you, you want to listen? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I do feel hurt. And then it probably like the end of the conversation was great. Hey, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Let me get you connected. And it diffused the whole situation. Yeah. To be heard is to be healed. And that is 100% true, especially in a relationship. Yes. Uh, And I would say that David, my husband, he said to me uh, last night, I feel demure. That was the word he used. And I was like, demure? Like of all the words, he uses these very funny and awesome words, these words that I don't always use, but I loved it. And, and I said, oh, and it was like, there was this intrinsic desire for me to make him feel better. Like, yes. I want you to feel better. And he's like, Tracy, I can feel demure. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. And I was like, no, I don't want you to feel bad. You have to acknowledge it. I think that's one thing that helps with grieving. And that's what I tell people. I went through that. Now, how can I help someone else going through it? And that's why I tell everyone that I've spoken with that has lost a loved one. I'm like, feel what you feel. If you're mad, be mad, acknowledge it. The problems occur when we shove it down just to put on a smile. I was pissed off at the world for a while, but I accepted it. I was sad. Like, so I still cry some days, like literally it happens, but I acknowledge it and I accept it because I just know it's part of my healing journey. It's when you try to hide it, it gets worse and it builds up and it explodes. I think that's another thing in anything, even if it's a relationship, acknowledge it and let yourself feel that way, but you don't have to stay there. Yeah. You can move. And emotion yes. is not a, is not a permanent state. Yep. Also, what about your, what would you say to somebody who sees a friend who has somebody like a, a sibling or a parent or a child pass away? What do you do now? Because you've been through what you've been. <sighs> don't lie to him. Like I remember one of the best advice I ever received, literally my dad passed and I got a call from a friend who lost his mom when he was like seven. And he goes, I don't care what anybody says. It doesn't get easier. You just get used to it. And I was like, okay. Cause everyone's like, it gets easier. It gets easier. I'm a, it does not, but you just learn to cope with it in different ways where it's healthy. It's okay. You understand it. What I do know, if I know someone's lost anyone, because it's They know I can experience that. I can share that with them. I reach out to them and I always just say, hey, I want to listen to you. Like, I'm here for you. I love you. Get back to me when you can. Because in that time, I remember I got flooded with texts, love and support. Like that was also the thing I was super blessed with was I got so much love and support from friends forever. I'm truly grateful. But it was like, I felt obligated to respond to everyone. But I remember one friend just said, hey, Get back to me when you can. And I was so relieved because I was like, oh, on my own time. But it, And then it's checking in on them. Like, hey, how are you doing? You okay? 
Can I, can I, do you need help with anything? And everyone's different. Some people want to be left alone. Some people want that. I love human interaction. I love talking about my problems because I truly, for me, that's a way I heal. And I would just suggest your friend better than anyone, better than me. What method works for them? Is it the support? Okay. Hey, I'm going to support you from a distance or Hey, it's hands-on. Like this is an operation green light, baby. We're in there. <laughs> Let them know you are thinking about them because I would rather know someone is there with their mental support, like giving me the love, the spiritual, like you can feel that versus silence. It'd be like, Oh, I was thinking about you. Totally. I mean, I, I went through a trauma with a brother who passed away when I was eight years old. Many people came and grieved with my family. We had plants for years. We had, and we had such a beautiful support system and people really came through for us. But it's interesting because I still remember when I went to school and it had happened in the summer, I wanted to tell someone. Yeah. And like, the only person I told like didn't acknowledge it. And I just think like, we have to do better at acknowledging people's pain and being like, wow, that is really hard. I'm so sorry. And I, yeah. I was young. Those kids didn't know what to do with that. And it was only one person that I even told. But that one person who didn't acknowledge it. Now, look, it's, it's made it hard to share that with everyone else because that one person did it. And now you feel you wouldn't be heard. And, and that's the hard part where it's also... One of my mentors taught me to, his name's Grant Ziak. He taught me, don't expect anything from anyone because expectations are pre-resentments. But at, that, at age seven. Oh, wow. Sorry, that just like blew my mind. Yeah. But at age seven, it's so hard because people are like, oh, you don't understand it. When your kids feel something, don't deny how they feel. It's acknowledging them too, making them feel validated. I completely get where you're coming from. But it's, I, I think- for us as adults, as we get older too, we have these expectations. I expect my friends to be there. I expect you to do this, but when they don't, and if you didn't voice it, how can they know? It's it, yeah. and again, expectations are pre-resentments. If you just go in with an open mind, open heart, hey, I'm hurting and allow people to come in as they go. And if you're not asking for help, hey, that's your fault. I'm sorry, but like, how can I help you if I don't know you're suffering? Yeah. Wow. That's such a personally responsible mindset that I don't feel like the world encourages us to have. I think we're encouraged to be victims. That is really mature. And at the age of 23, I'm truly amazed. Props to your girlfriend and and your mom for teaching you and bringing you along and letting you learn along the way. I've had Uh, some amazing women in my life. I'm truly blessed for that, especially like just cousins, aunts. Like I am so grateful for the women that have empowered me in my life to, to feel my feminine side too, because I think as men, we want to be so masculine, but you have to acknowledge that feminine side too. I don't feel guilty about crying. Like I used to like, I'm like, Oh, I'm a man. I don't, men don't cry. It's like <laughs> you do right. and it's healthy too. It's okay. My dad passed. We were at, we had a luncheon and my dad's best friend came up one of them. And he goes, the thing that made your dad a man was he felt his emotions. And that hit me where I was like, well, if I view my dad as a manliest man, I need to feel my emotions too. But if we go around parents who don't ever cry, who don't share their emotions, we think that's healthy. That's normal. It's not okay. 
Like my girlfriend cries with me now. Like I like she feels my pain. And, and even though she wasn't there, we can still relate. She comes from just a place of love. And I think we're absolutely right. It's we have those stereotypes that say men don't cry. Women just can't do certain things, which is complete BS. We can do anything we want in this world. If you put your mind to it. I truly believe that. I don't care who you are, where you are, you can do anything. You are capable of it. And I truly believe that. But it's tough because we have so much conditioning saying we can't. Yeah. I think a lot of times we also look around at our circumstances, our background, race, religion, whatever it may be. And those things can really, they can weigh on people so much. Yes. Yes. I I think that that's something that we're all hoping and we're all working towards, I think, removing those beliefs and those patterns that really are holding us back from believing we can do what we desire. It's just conditioning. I, yeah. I completely agree too. And I like, I also feel like that's what I want to do. I want to help anyone. It doesn't matter who you are, what you feel like you deserve, what you don't. Like you can do anything. You are truly capable of it. And it's tough because when you're surrounded by people who never have, you want this lifestyle, but no one around you has ever had. It's so hard and so challenging to do that. But all you got to do is just start. And I promise you will figure it out from there. Yeah. There's a lot of people who want to help you succeed yep. as well. Yes. Yes. And what, what'd you learn from organizing that race from actually undergoing an effort like that? There is so much that goes into it. I'm so grateful for one of my friend's moms, Jen Kiekel, that she runs the nonprofit organization. Like she, she's the give back brokerage. She has done, she lost both her parents to suicide and really was a rock for me through this because she holds so much events, does everything Closing deals and high heels is her Instagram. I'm going to plug her in on here because she is amazing. But she was such a support system through me. I was like, I don't know what to do. And she just took my hand and guided me through it. And one thing I learned is so many people want to help you. They support your cause. Like we want to feel good as human beings. One of my best friends, he said to me, he's like, have more trust in people. Because it's hard to have faith in humanity at times, especially right now with everything that's going on in the world. And that literally restored my faith in humanity. Just so many different people, doesn't matter their political background, doesn't matter their race or ethnicity, nothing. We all supported one cause. And to me, it was such a humbling moment too, where I'm like, wow, people still do care. Like with everything that's going on, people love and want to support and be there. And that was a really cool feeling. And I definitely, I had six weeks to plan it and I'm taking a whole year to do it and make it 10 times better than what it was. Give yourself some time. I'm the type of person to, I get gung ho on something. I'm going to do it right now. There are things that take time. And (laughs) you know, as the first one to me, I was just building them reps. Hey, it's not perfect, but I, and, and I do that with everything. Like it's not perfect, but I'm doing it and it can always improve. That's amazing. You're going to be successful. I'm sure you already are, but you're just doing great. Way to go. I noticed that you have on your Instagram that you have a Google form that helps people who are first time home buyers. Yes. So, and you also have a, we are they Mm -hmm. on your Instagram. Tell us what that means. Tell us about how you approach real estate. We'll start with my first, the home buyers program. My demographic, that's my niche. I'd say more in real estate. Like I can do listings. I do everything. I help investors. I love helping first-time home buyers. I love helping my friends achieve the dream of home ownership and teaching them how to upgrade into that million-dollar home, how to do it. Because there's a method to it. Everyone's got their own. But it's education. Because we're all so scared about things until you learn about it. You're like, ah, oh, 
it's actually not that bad. I mean, for anybody listening, think about your job, right? When you maybe got that new position or a new opportunity, you're like, that is terrifying. But then you do it and you've just figured out like, it's not scary. That's how I view home ownership to a lot of people because we all our parents went, to, went through 2008, which was so, it was terrible. No one knew it at the time, but now because of that, parents usually will sometimes hold their kids back from achieving that. And I just try to educate them. Hey, this is the benefits of home ownership. And it's situational. If you can do it, let's do it. I will never, I can't like live like knowing I've made someone house poor. Like I will not do that. Hey, what is best for your situation? Is it renting for another year? Okay, cool. Let's do that. And then it's, oh, it's owning a home. Let's do that. It's just education when making sure they feel like the goal of the class, I literally want them to leave feeling they can go buy their own home. They know the process. And that's kind of, that's the approach I take with it. And then the, my saying in my bio is we are the, they, it's kind of that hat right there. This it's part of a a men's coaching group. I'm a part of basically what Jimmy had it, where the whole story is someone was asking, when are they coming? Like we have that in our lives. When are they going to come like save us when they're going to come do this? No one is coming to save you. We like, we are the, they for ourselves and our own life. And that's kind of, it's, it's part of a, it's a program that's changed my life. Just being around other men and kind of becoming that figure in my life where I look at myself for the answers. I don't look externally. I look internally, kind of like we talked about earlier, but it's getting around other people like that, right? You're a product of your environment. You're a product of who you hang around. And so being around people like that has taught me like, all right, cool. I can see myself. I am, you know, the problem solver of my own life. What is an unhealthy habit you have successfully quit? And what is a healthy habit you have successfully established? Oh gosh, see, and that's, I was thinking about that question for so long because it's, as life has gone on, I feel like we're always constantly evolving and what we deem unhealthy at one point is like, oh no, that was a stepping stone. That was something I learned. It's my relationship with food has gotten so much better. I'd say it was very unhealthy. I was um, a binge eater. I grew up in a house. I was like, I don't, I, it was, I always felt like if I didn't eat my meal, that was a sign of I'm ungrateful. I eat everything, which then it made me fat. Like just being honest, it made me overweight. And now realizing like, I'm going to give him a, a shout out here, the sober bodybuilder on Instagram. He owns a nutrition company here in Utah, Key Nutrition. They have a great podcast. And he just, he taught me how to be healthy with food. What does that look like? And building a healthy relationship with that, where now I don't, feel guilty if I want to eat a burger or if I want to go enjoy 10 donuts. I don't feel guilty. I enjoy it. And I would say that's kind of also my healthy habit I've started to establish as well. And morning gratitude is probably one of the ones that has helped me the most. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you really want to share? I think my message always is is around just helping others and just raising awareness for men with breast cancer, which if you have a husband, talk to him about it. Say, hey, did men can get it? If you have a brother, your dad, whoever, a male figure in your life, check, let them know, hey, you can get it too. You're, this is not just women. Like you can get it. But no, I think you you did great. This was everything. I, I thought it would be just coming and having a great conversation with you. I hope I helped someone out there, even if it's just one person. That's all that matters. You're amazing. I'm so impressed. I'm so grateful. I, I think it's cool that in my life, I just get the treasure of encountering people and then getting to unleash just the incredibleness that some, like so many people have. It's just stunning. Everyone's amazing in their own way. I completely agree. And I, that's what I 
love to with real estate. I get to see that with so many different people, like having a conversation. What do you do? Listen to them. And I'm like, you're amazing. Like, like you're amazing, Trace. Like I love just even off of our interaction too. I love what you do. So it's like, it's just, it's again, we're blessed. We are. And also tell us how to reach you. I'm active most on uh, Instagram at your realtor because I do Instagram real. It's Y-O-U-R-R-E-E-L-T-O-R. So I'm, I'm really active on my Instagram promoting anything I'm doing, whether it's the 5K real estate, just my life. So that's where I'm mostly active on there. And when is your next 5K? So we're going to do it October again. We're finalizing the date with Murray City because I'm going to try to keep it there. I love the park, the facility. So we're looking probably at the first weekend of October, but just have to confirm more details. But I will keep everyone updated on my Instagram. Everybody go follow Michael and of course, participate in his awesome energy and the wisdom that he has. Thank you so much. Tracy, you're amazing. Thank you.